With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Always great to have your company for Dwayne's World. Dwayne's World for Master Builders Victoria, supporting businesses in residential, commercial, and civil construction. And for Athena Home Loans, pay down your home loan faster with Athena. Keep your calls coming and keep your texts coming as well on that 40 Winks temper text 0433981116. One here on the text. Hi, Dwayne. I've only been able to tune in now because of work. What was your take on Brisbane's performance? I thought they looked very promising. Cheers, Paul. Yeah, loved the performance by Brisbane. It was only a trial game, but it was against pretty good opposition. It was in Sydney, against Sydney in Sydney. Dunkley looked great. Gunston looked great. Ashcroft looked fantastic. The kid can play. The ball just follows him. And to be able to have Cam Rayner pushed back to defence is a big asset to change within your mechanism. So, yeah, they're going to be really, really hard to beat the Brisbane Lions. It wouldn't surprise me if at some stage this season they become the premiership favourite. How did I see Adelaide and Port Adelaide? Well, let's go to an expert in that field. Mark Bickley's been good enough to join me, SENSA Breakfast co-host and SEN commentator. Bix, welcome back to the program. Great to have you on. Oh, thanks very much, Dwayne. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How did you see Adelaide? I got a text earlier on saying we haven't been talking about Adelaide enough. Um, I haven't talked about Port Adelaide at all. Uh, I had a look at those two games. What did you think? Yeah, look, I thought, um, you know, Adelaide, let's uh, start with, they had a pretty much full-strength lineup. take Taylor Walker out of it, and I think they were pretty right um, apart from that. So they've... And that's been one of their bonuses all of this preseason. Uh, Darren Burgess has had most of the guys on the track. So, um, and, and Frio had a couple out, but, you know, I think Frio are going to be a pretty reasonable side this year. They played finals last year. Most people think they can improve again with a, a couple of recruits and the development of some of their young players. But apart from the first 10 minutes when they absolutely blitzed Adelaide, yeah. I thought Adelaide probably, um, you know, had the better of them for the next three quarters, and that's what the, the scoreboard showed. So I think uh, Manny Nicks would have been pretty happy. Uh, they tried a few things. Isaac Rankin is the big thing that you, that jumps off the page in terms of what he's uh, what he adds, which is some cleanness and some some goal scoring power. But I, I think overall there's, there's going to be some you know some improvements from a lot of the players and and hopefully as well. Like now Matthew Nix has been there a little while. The, the sort of the bar raises on his performance about you know the, the way the, the team plays, their, their ability to score a bit more, and, and we saw them. They were pretty, uh, pretty good in that area you know, in the last two and a half quarters. So improvement there because they've got Rankin. Um, you do have an opportunity to sort of redevelop the forward line, but you, your pieces are there for a reasonable forward line. Where do you think the improvement will come outside of that and how much improvement? Eight wins last year, so mm-hmm. it's a pretty hard parameter to beat, get that 9, 10, 11 wins that can keep you in contention for the eight. Yeah, and, and that's that's the big thing, isn't it, at the moment? We, we're thinking about, Dwayne, is uh, you mentioned Brisbane. I think they get better. Geelong have got a couple of blokes that have come into the side. You think they're going to be pretty good. Um, uh, you know, a lot of those other teams that, that Sydney have got, you know, I think they had six or seven 22-year-olds in their side, so they're probably going to have some organic growth as well. So when you look at Adelaide, though, that's what they're hoping on. They're hoping a couple of those young players jump out of, out of the ground and, 
you know, Phil Thorpe is someone who uh, we will all expect to improve again. This will be his third season as the, you know, number two draft pick. He's a big guy. We know that takes a little bit longer, but he's going to spend a bit more time in the ruck, it looks like, this year. So a bit more sort of up the ground and, and not just sort of anchored to the goal square. Uh, Saligo is, uh, looks really classy. Uh, Barry is, was a good player last year, and, and most people think he'll improve. And, and Rochelle was the other one last year, pick six in the draft, who burst onto the scene, kicked five goals on debut, and was doing really well until he got a, a hip injury that pretty much derailed most of his season. So uh, with him and Rankin coming back in, they'll, they'll add some bite in the forward line, but also both those guys have played midfield minutes, and, and I know the club are keen to get some different looks into their midfield. They are a bit one pace with Laird and Berry and uh, and you know some of those types. So uh, to add some some potency around the footy is something that they did against Fremantle. They did in the internal trial match, and there's something that they're I think they're committed to trying to to add to that group. Cause when you look at the areas of the ground, that to me is one where it doesn't quite stack up as well as as some of the other areas. They're really they don't have you know Rory, sorry Rory Sloan's not the All-Australian midfielder he was four or five years ago. He played on the wing and, and looked okay. So I don't think he'll play midfield. So Rory Laird then is Adelaide's best midfielder. Uh, but he's just, when you compare him to Bontempelli, Cripps, Petrarca, Oliver, he just doesn't have the body size to be able to go with those players. And, and that's, to me, when you look at Adelaide, they're just missing that style of player who is that sort of imposing midfielder who can just grab the game and, and get your two or three clearances in a row out of the middle and or go forward and, and impose yourself in that area. So that's going to be interesting to watch how they tackle that. Yeah, your assessment of that makes a lot of sense. Port Adelaide, um, Jason Horn francis looks like he's going to be pretty good. I've been listening to Kane Corns pump him up, but he's wearing Kane's old number, so why wouldn't he? <laughs> um, <laughs> he looks like he's going to be okay. But Port Adelaide still need to, I think, get improvement in their forward line. They've got a ratio Fantasia who might be fit, but the, the next level for Marshall and Georgiades is, is something that they need to find as well, given you know, Charlie Dixon is kind of reliable, but sometimes he, he, he isn't. So where do you mm. see Port Adelaide's improvement coming from? Yeah, look, I think it's just it's, it's across their list. And, and last year, I know they were disappointed with the fact that Arazio couldn't get out there. Uh, so, you know, he's fit and playing at the moment and, and looking okay. And then and they've added Junior Rioli, who I think is a, a really important piece to that puzzle. But then also, Jason Horn francis whilst he's going to spend some midfield time, he's going to spend a fair bit of time in the front half as well. So their forward six has got a lot of tricks to it. You know, Horn francis Fantasia, Junior Rioli, uh, that's quite imposing in that sort of mid-range player. You know, two of those are an aerial threat as well. Uh, and then you've got, uh, you know, Marshall, I thought, took some huge steps forward last year, particularly in the front half of the year in the absence of, of Charlie um, Charlie Dixon. He, he stood up and became that number one forward. So when Charlie comes back and plays, what that means is generally uh, Marshall gets the second best tool defender. So I, I think he's going to benefit from that. And then Georgiades is his wild card. I don't think anyone can really pin down what his year is going to look like. And, you know, it staggers me last year. He was dropped three times from Port Adelaide's mm. team last year. And... Um, and, you know, he's, he's got too much talent. He's got too many weapons for that to continue on. He, he jumps at the footy. Um, he can take a hanger. He, he's actually, he's got some speed. He gets after the opposition and, he, and he, you know, he kicks goals as well. So I don't know what that mix is going to look like, but if I was poor, I, I'm, I'm liking the fact that I've got some tools there. And, and the midfield is interesting as well because the, what I sort of took out of last year was there was a handover 
from the old firm, you know, Gray and Boak and all those players that have been relied on for a long time. It's now Rosie, Wines, Butters. Uh, now they've brought Lockie Jones in there as well, who's a really big, powerful young young player who um, who can burst out of stoppage. He, he's, he's not dissimilar in power to a, a Patrick Dangerfield in the way that he sort of goes about his putty. He's got a lot of rough edges like Patrick had when he started, but pure power. He's just one of those guys. I think I've talked to someone down at Port Adelaide that said he's the, their most powerful player in terms of sprint and speed and their best endurance player. So that's a pretty good combination to have if you're a footballer and you're going to be playing around the midfield. So for me with Port Adelaide, I, I sort of see um, their sort of Achilles heel was in the back half. I, I think Aaliyah is really strong as that key defender, but clearly Jonas, McKenzie, Burton, you know, there's four guys who are mid-sized, not sort of super tall. And when I look around the competition, it looks like the competition is loading up. Teams are, are playing, they want to play, Two big genuine forwards. You know, you look mm. at, uh, uh, you know, let, let's Adelaide will have Walker and Dilthorpe. You talk about Port Adelaide with Dixon and, and Marshall and, and potentially another one in Georgiades. Uh, you know, a lot of the clubs of Richmond will have Tom Lynch and Jack Revolt. Brisbane will have a couple of big guys up there, Hipwood and Danaher, you know, like so. Uh, we know that Carlton, sorry, Carlton have got two big ones. Geelong have got two great forwards as well in. Uh, um, Cameron and, and also Hawkins. So if you're not great down back and you haven't got those couple of big keys that you can really rely on, then you know if a team moves the ball quickly against you, you could be found out. And I think that's the one area I'm worried about with Port Adelaide. But I put that to someone at Port Adelaide and, and they say their team defence they're really happy with. I think it's the last four or five years, they haven't finished lower than the top six in, in scores conceded. So they're backing their team defence as opposed to, you know, having to have, you know, two or three really good key defenders you can rely on. So it'd be interesting to see how, mm. how that unfolds. Yeah, that could be a little dangerous. Outside of SA, what did you see from the other teams you saw on the weekend? Anything else you took from the weekend? Give us an overreaction if you like. And what are you looking forward to this weekend? Uh, I think it's... I'm looking forward to this weekend, firstly. is it, it really ramps up. Speaking to both the clubs over here, they said, you know what, we're going to play seven quarters or six quarters, whatever it is. We're going to give everyone a bit of a run. We're going to try blokes in different positions. But then next week, it's going to be full dress rehearsal. We're going to pick almost our best side and we really want to sort of calm it down and have a have a set sort of game of what it's going to look like come round one. So I'm really keen to, to get a bit of a, an insight into what the coaches are thinking and who's going to play. Because I think both sides in Adelaide have probably got... 25 or 26 players all sort of vying for you know the, the 22 spots in the subs so that'll be interesting last week what did I take out of it I, I thought there was a little bit of like clearing the pipes out a little bit last week you know the, like some of some of the sides that we think are going to be really good I thought Geelong you know they look really classy but some of the other teams were just just getting going and I think that was part of a little bit of the mindset. You don't want to be, you know, come out with all guns blazing in, a, in your first trial match, and and uh, you don't want to spend all your all your weapons, you know, two weeks before the round starts. So I think managing that sort of build up to what round one looks like, it's it's a bit like training a racehorse, um, <laughs> Dwayne. In terms of you, you want it firing, you know, when the when the Melbourne Cup arrives, you don't want to be winning the week before. And I think that's what all the clubs are. Uh, sort of juggling at the moment and trying to get right. You just want to be hitting your straps and be really jumping out of your skin come round one. Not two weeks before. One week you want to be getting close. So, And that's what I love, the anticipation around 
round one is just so good. And, it's you know, apart from when you get to the finals, it's probably my favourite round of the year. How have you seen this balance argument between how many pre-season games and how many home and away season games? I'd, I would like one pre-season game only um, and then 24 home and away games if we can. Mm. Uh, where do you see that balance going in the future? Can you ever see a, a 25 or 26 game season? Chris got throwing that on the agenda again today, suggesting that if we reduce quarter length, we could end up having you know, a 26, 27 game season. How long a pre-season do you think we need, given that the Dogs and the Giants didn't play last weekend, so they're telling us that you only need one game as a lead-in? Mm. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm on that tram as well. I, I would be happy with one game. In actual fact, I'd be happy with none. You know, play one of these sort of mock games where it's seven or eight quarters, or if you don't want to play one, play one against yourself, do whatever. But um, you know, I'm, I love the anticipation of what it looks like. And there's plenty of other sports that don't do a whole lot of sort of uh, insight into what you're going to get before you, before the season starts. Formula One, what, they have one practice session or something, you're like, <laughs> and they just jump straight in and you don't really know what you're going to get. And, and what that means is that you get some upsets in round one, some people are a bit further along than what you think. So I, I don't mind the fact. I, I'm not a big G for, for shortening the game too much. Um, you know, I, I felt like when we went through that COVID period and the quarters got reduced, I didn't feel like I enjoyed it as much as what I did when it went back to the normal length. But now the normal length, thirty-minute quarters, if they were if they were twenty-five, I probably wouldn't I wouldn't go to war on that either. That's about right. Um, and I understand that everything, you know, attention spans are getting shorter, and everything seems to be getting shorter. So maybe we have to look at trimming it marginally. But if that's the argument for playing more games, I'd just rather stick with what we got. I think that what we've proven is that uh, some of the myths that we thought we we couldn't do, we couldn't play 26 games, or what about during COVID? We thought we couldn't back up after three or four days, well we did that, mm. we couldn't you know, there's a whole lot of things that got broken down when we had to, so I'd be uh, I'd be inclined to keep going with that, and if we, if we want to have a look at what, 25 games it's like, let's just do it, and then you get this uh, other element that comes into the year around how do we manage our players and Geelong are probably as good as anyone at doing that at the moment um, bit of an older list they managed them really well last year to have them all playing good footy at the end of the year that would bring another element into it if you're saying the same thing we've got a really good team but how do we manage the, the, the 28 or 30 players that we've got on our list to make sure that we, we get through the season we preserve their energy and motivation so that they're playing good around final playing really well around the finals time. So maybe it even adds another element to our game and to the coaching and managing of players. And there was a brief period where Patrick Dangerfield was a co-captain at the Crows, so he has been a a co-captain or a captain before. Uh, Your thoughts on Geelong's announcement? To me it was... um, Any element would be at whatever the age, I think he's 32, do you just sometimes skip someone and say, Patrick, because it's probably going to be a you know, maybe a two-year uh, appointment or whatever the length you think that Patrick's going to play. Do we just jump over you and give it maybe to someone who's a couple of years younger and then that person then gets four or five years in the role? That would be the only element for me. But everything else, like, uh, you know, if you watch footy and you and you take a keen interest in footy, it's not hard to see that he, he's comfortable with leadership, he's comfortable with responsibility. Um, and he's a, you know, I just think he's a, he's a solid citizen as well. You know, like he's just been, I reckon he's been great for our game and he's entertaining. He gives of himself. So, um, you know, Geelong, you know, they've gone from one of the greatest skippers of all time to another guy who's, hmm. I don't think there's going to be 
too much of a you won't notice too much of a difference. It'll just be it'll be a seamless handover, I would think. And then Tom Stewart, arguably in a year or two's time, is ready maybe to do the same again. Bit like the Adelaide Crows should have gone straight from Chris McDermott to you instead of giving it to an old Tony McGuinness for two years. In the end, it didn't matter too much. Did it? It, turned out, uh, it turned out okay for me. Uh, oh, look, there was there was a sentiment, a little bit of sentiment in in that or thought at the time that maybe you could do it that way. But in the end, I think it actually benefited me. Uh, you know, playing under Tony for a little bit of time, having had four years under Chris McDermott, who was such a um, such a warrior and such a huge influence on me. Just someone slightly different, who went about it differently in the end, I think was a really good decision. Uh, so by the time I was appointed captain in 97, I was probably 27 years of age, a little bit sort of more mature than what, what I would have been two years earlier and, um, and was able just to, like, like I said, with Patrick. I felt ready. I felt like I had the, the tools to be able to handle all the things that came with it. And, and fortunately, uh, our, our side was pretty good and, and we got a new coach and things worked out okay so um, in the end timing was brilliant I just the only blue that I made I, I captained the Crows for four years I probably should have given it away after two and I would have had a 100% record that would have been probably the smartest thing I'd ever done but uh, in the end I'd have to, I'd have to settle with a, a 50% record of winning flags yeah, only 50%. Uh, for those who don't know the history, Mark Bickley announced captain by Malcolm Blight and the Crows in 97, and they win the flag in his first two seasons as captain. Great to have you on. Bix, always good to be able to pick your brain, and uh, look forward to a little bit more of you on SA Breakfast tomorrow from 6am with Jared Walsh. We'll talk soon. Uh, likewise. Thanks very much, Dwayne. Mark Bickley, Adelaide two-time Premiership captain, AFL Nation commentator and co-host of SEN SA Breakfast.